welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 129. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons. And as always, I'm joined by the man with a plan, Mr. Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, Mike. I hope you and I continue having this antidote to chaos that we seem to be finding. I know. Is that not a great payoff to a book title um, by Jordan Peterson, an antidote to chaos? Because it feels like the world is pretty chaotic. It feels like everything is trying to steal our time and attention and you just need a little bit of time to think, don't we? Yeah, we really do. And that's why I'm excited with today's episode, Mike. You know, we're at show 129 and we're in part two of our 12 Rules for Life and Antidote to Chaos by Jordan Peterson. I mean, last week we had episode 128 where we visited those first six rules of the book from 2018. But this week, Mike, I think we've got another action-packed episode where we dig into the follow-up, the second six of his 12 rules for life. I'm pretty excited by all of that. I thought last week was pretty powerful. Yeah. And um, he's got a little knack for using little metaphor and stories so that they don't feel too hefty. And you have to remember that Jordan Peterson is not only an academic, but actually a psychiatrist. So he's seen lots of people. He's studied the practice and hence he came up with these 12 rules because he thought if I could tell my patients, you know, a couple of thoughts that he's uh, had after talking to so many people, these are the 12 rules. And, and last week we had some great ones like standing up straight with your shoulders back um, and uh, befriend the people who want the best for you. These, I mean, it's just timeless wisdom to help us lead a good life, uh, to lead a life where we can be the best version of ourselves. And today we're doing the second half of the book and there's some big chunky ones ahead. So what I would say, if you're working on everything from purpose um, or humility uh, or helping others be the best version of themselves, then stay tuned because we've got so many Jordan Peterson clips to plow you with, to inspire you. And all the time we're going to be learning out loud together. We're going to be asking ourselves, how do we do it? And that's kind of Critical, isn't it, Mark? Because we really want to understand how we do this wisdom that Jordan Peterson has to share. Yeah, and and I think the word there is is inspiration as well as guidance, isn't it? I think a lot of the series that we found on on Jordan Peterson so far, with regards to last week and those clips that you said, it for me uh, the one that stood out the most was uh, compare yourself uh, to who you were yesterday hmm. rather than who somebody else is today. That's a, that's a pretty powerful clip that, you know, sounds pretty essential, but sometimes pretty hard to do. And I think this week uh, and today's show, again, we're going to be revealing uh, these, these rules of Jordan's that should help us achieve the best version of ourselves. Well, I mean, we've got an action packed show, so I think we should throw ourselves in um, in classic moonshot style. Let's get stuck into it, Mark. So where do you want to kick off uh, the second half of Jordan Peterson's book? We're going to hit actually, Mike, a bit of a, a, a two-hander here, a, a, a punch uh, from both left and right hooks. And this first clip we got from Jordan Peterson is actually introducing two rules at the same time. Rule seven, do what is meaningful, as well as rule eight, tell the truth. So let's hear from Jordan Peterson. Give us this one-two punch about the pursuing truth. 
Rule seven is do what is meaningful and not what is expedient. And I would say in some sense, that's the core ethos of the book. Not exactly because rule eight, which is tell the truth or at least don't lie is a necessary conjunction to that or a necessary additional element because I don't think that you can pursue what is meaningful without telling the truth. And the reason for that is if you don't tell the truth or let's say if you lie, which is an easier way to think about it, you corrupt the mechanisms, the instinctual mechanisms that manifest themselves as meaning and then you can't trust them. And that's a very bad idea. So the fundamental reason to not lie is because you corrupt your own perceptions if you lie. And when you corrupt your own perceptions, then you can't rely on yourself. And if you can't rely on yourself, then well, good luck to you. Because what are you going to rely on in the absence of your own judgment? You've got nothing if you, if you lose that. Rule eight is, as I said, tell the truth or don't, or at least don't lie. Yeah. Mark, um, I think he's not talking about like when you get caught uh, stealing a cookie out of the cookie jar. <laughs> Did you steal a cookie? <laughs> no. I, I have a feeling he's going for something bigger here. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think he's, he's calling us out. He's calling out the fact that if you, you know, lie to yourself, then you have a tendency to perhaps influence the way that you behave, the way that you interpret actions of others, and the way that you kind of interact with the world. That's, that's what I'm getting from, from these two rules. Mm. And I think to build on that, he goes to a place where he really reveals the core of the book, which is to do what is meaningful, not what is expedient. And I think, Mark, this might be one of the biggest themes, not only of Peterson's work, but of the Moonshots podcast itself. Because after 129 episodes, I can tell you this idea of doing what matters, doing things of impact doing things where true value is created, right? Things that make you feel fulfilled, um, satisfied, maybe a bit happy, maybe that you feel like you've achieved your purpose, you're finding some meaning in life, which is truly the greatest pursuit versus what is expedient. And I think this is where we cheat ourselves. This is where we tell those lies. He's basically saying, don't take the easy path, take the hard path. And once you get this thought to there, what you can see is that this is so deeply related to the advice that we've had from so many people, authors, academics, even Joe Rogan himself, Yucca Willink, where they talk about embracing di discomfort, problems, as Yucca would say, are good. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, this this is the antidote to the chaos of life when we're surrounded by distractions by individuals who might have what we think we want and I want to re-emphasize that word you think that you want something when the truth is it doesn't really matter this is Jordan calling out to us find what is that meaningful thing isn't it the expedient idea and the expedient reference I think he's, he's going for there, at least in my mind, is something that's kind of convenient. Maybe it's, as you say, maybe less it's work. easy. Yeah, it's less work. And it's a means to an end. I'm, I'm running after 
uh, a big payoff. I'm running after a success of some kind, mm. but I'm not willing to put in that work. And that's a pretty easy trap to fall into, Mike, isn't it? You know, if you've put in a lot of work into your career, sometimes you expect something to be, to, you expect that you've reached that end goal when perhaps that's maybe your ego talking. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're, you're definitely going in the right direction here. I think that the truth or where the place from which this advice comes from is that if you are doing something worthwhile or as Peterson would say, meaningful, right? You have to, you must accept that it will not be easy. And I think it is in this that you can go to another step and say, if it's starting to hurt, then you know you're doing the right thing. And I'm not talking about putting yourself in jeopardy here. Um, to use a gym um, analogy, if you're working out and you're like, oh, this is really hard, then you know that you're truly, you're truly doing the right thing. You really, you really do know that. Mm. Um, the, um, I think the, the important thing here is, is once you say to yourself, okay, I am prepared to follow my purpose, to live my purpose, to be the best version of uh, ourselves, which is everything this show is about. Once you've kind of established that, the next thing you can say, it's going to be hard, ugly, uncomfortable, and I'm okay with that. And I think it's at this point where many of us struggle because we're like, well, I've been doing this for a couple of years and I'm not getting the results. As Goggins would say, don't give up, right? Don't let go and take the expedient path that Peterson is talking about. Because, you know, it's really interesting how this comes back to uh, one of the clips we had on Joe Rogan and he was talking about like, who wants to win the lottery, man? Like that's going to feel good for like a half a second. Right. Mm. And there's a lot of studies to, to suggest that winning the lottery is actually not like a great thing. Right. Mm. I don't know if you heard about all of the, uh, it causes chaos in people's lives. They have all this money. They don't know how to manage it. People start trying to like grab that money in some nefarious way. Um, so you Rogan talks about God, earn it. How much better is it going to feel? You might have a 10th of money, but you earn every single dollar. And that is doing what is meaningful, not what is expedient. And I, Mark, I would say the reason this is so hard to truly practice is we are presented with what I call the pollution of the overnight success. We all think these amazing people came out of nowhere, but what we've discovered on this show is there's enormous sacrifice for people um, you know, I remember Jack Ma got rejected from 38 job applications before he got his first job. Wow. He went on to create Alibaba, of course. Like my point is this, I think so much happens when you say problems, good, uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's almost the same thing I do when I'm running really fast, when I'm jogging outside and it feels pretty uncomfortable. I know that I'm um, entering a stretch zone, a healthy push of my limits. And I think another theme that just to wrap this up is what we've also learned is that we have far more potential than we know. If only we can accept 
that the pursuit of meaningful uh, action is inviting challenge and hardship into your life. If you can just accept that and go through it. I mean, think of the people that run 100 mile races. What would have been thought unheard of impossible 50 years ago, people now run that, pushing the limits, saying, hey, I'm prepared to go through the discomfort. I think this is our, one of our greatest challenges societally now is to be prepared to do the hard work because we're, our minds are polluted by social media, all these false overnight success stories, all these six-pack abs, all of these w- women that just look like they're from the planet Venus, you know, all of these manufactured uh, propaganda uh, that everyone else is living the perfect life. The answer is no, it's hard, it's hard. But you got to do it if you want to be the best version of yourself. Embrace the hardship, right? Yeah, that is the antidote to chaos. The thing I'm, I'm reminded of is, as you were talking is that amazing story from Matthew McConaughey where he, he gets those offers for that mm. rom-com yeah. And gradually it goes up from, you know, I think it was four or five million, then eight, then 10, then 12. And I think it settles on 15. And he just keeps on saying, no, no. And, and that, that would be the easy way out, wasn't it? That would be the expedient way. But he knew in his heart that he wanted to find that more meaningful route, that more meaningful journey. Mm-hmm. And what happens two years later, he doesn't work for two years. He's in that valley of darkness wondering if he'll ever work again, but he stays true. He stays on the path towards meaning and he does. He, he comes out the other side and finds the journey that he was looking for. This more meaningful, meaningful roles, these more meaningful stories that he wanted to tell in, in, in Hollywood and on TV and film. I think that's a, a great example actually, Mike, of some of the other individuals that we've learned from that brings to life this, this truth of meaning and this truth of, you know, seeking um, that, that honesty in your life. I think, I think that's really is that antidote to chaos that you were just saying, mm. the, the busyness of life and distraction, social media and so on getting in our way. Yeah. It's so easy to all fall into that. I have one last thought. And I know listeners, you're probably thinking, geez, they're banging on about this one a lot. It was two <laughs> rules in one. <laughs> so give us, give us a break. It was two rules. But I, but I do think as Jordan uh, Peterson suggested, this might be kind of the gist to the whole book. I think there is like another way of expressing um, these thoughts from Peterson that we've been exploring about meaning and versus expediency. And I think, um, you know, this idea of being prepared to do the hard work today and defer results uh, for a later point in time. And I think um, this deferring of instant gratification, I think if we get to like a habit of where we are right now in how we live and work as a society, I think we have an enormous challenge with this because I think about this idea of I love reading. And so if I think, oh, you know, I'd really love to read something about this or someone recommends something. Um, For example, you know, 
Mark, I recommended a, a documentary to you yesterday and by yesterday evening you'd already watched it. Okay. <laughs> I think about this idea of, oh, I, I'd really like to read a particular book. Within a, a nanosecond, I jump on my Kindle, zip, there it is. Okay. There was no deference of gratification. Now go back to back in the good old days, I used to have to go to the library to get a book or go into town to buy the book. Um, and, you know, I would hear about a lot less books, of course. So my point is this, whether it's books, movies, content, whether it's Uber Eats, everything is at our door in a nanosecond. We are in a world of real-time instant gratification, yet the greatest irony is that being the best version of yourself is a sacrifice now, gain later paradigm. It is deferred gratification. And this is why I think so many people get off track because they get so many things in a moment. Um, it's even got to the point where when you have these buy now, pay later services where they say, hey, you can't afford it, don't worry, buy it now and we'll sort out the payment later. I mean, that is living beyond your means, people. Like, don't do this. Like, if you don't have the cash, don't buy it. And frankly, you know, it's just another thing anyway. So I think, Mark, the reason that we struggle so much to find meaning, satisfaction, and fulfillment in life, yes, there's a proxy here of happy, you know, and we've got like generations growing up now that are more clinically depressed than any other generation. And I believe it's because they're getting everything now, yet the true meaning of life, satisfaction and fulfillment lays in a lot of sacrifice now and for gains in the future. I think that is why it's so damn hard, right? Yeah, it, it, it's the instant, it's the expectation that I will get that result straight away. Mm. And look, I'm, I'm pretty guilty of it, Mike. You know, I'll, I'll often think, okay, well, I've put in all this hard work on a project or research or collaboration, whatever it might be. And I, I do, as, as Jordan calls out in, in um, particularly rule eight, tell the truth or at least don't lie, when he says to, to us, you know, don't lie to ourselves because mm. then you you corrupt your your perception that's me corrupting my perception isn't it that's me yeah. thinking well i've earned it i've put in that hard work i it, i'm not thinking about what the other person wants i'm just only focusing on me at that point yeah yeah i i totally i totally hear you i think that the um the the last thought that i would love us to to kind of discuss before we go to the rest of the rules is in true moonshot style, I think we have to ask ourselves, how might we, what could we do? Okay, so we finished recording the show. What, what would be something you would do if you said, look, I need to kind of get myself on track to make sure I'm being the best version of myself. What could I do to make sure I'm not taking the shortcuts, but I'm really, you know, sacrificing now and for, for, for enjoying the gains later? What do we do, Mark? Well, I, I, I think something that comes to my mind as we reflect on the way that, that we work is, is collaboration or communication with another. So what we've discussed on the show before, uh, and I, I believe it was the, the Lencioni series that we did on, on teamwork and collaboration, 
uh, as, as well as maybe Abby Wambach as well, is you utilize those around you in order to be the best version of yourself. So if you are playing in your own sport, if I'm by myself, if I'm working alone, I might have the tendency to then fall into the trap of saying, oh, well, I've done it correctly. But only when you share it or communicate it with somebody else, right. do you get that, that feedback. And I think that's perhaps how I keep myself on track when that's I go great. out and seek that little bit of collaboration. I would say that um, a build on that is you can share your goals with people that care about you hmm. in a way for them to hold you accountable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you yes. know, like, hey, I want to run that marathon. Okay. Well, hey. Mark, you've been, been doing that training? Isn't that yeah. marathon coming out? Yeah. Have you been uh, doing well, um, you, you see, I've been busy. <laughs> um, I would say also um, dare to ask yourself, who do I want to be? Write about it. Uh, how do I want to live my life? Write about it. Uh, manifest it. Um, not only uh, through writing, but take time to meditate on the the vision you have of who you want to be. Um, don't just vaguely having this idea. I want to be kind of a good guy and I want to like help out a bit. Define that. Mm. Right. So put those two together, sharing those things and defining those things. So share it with others for a bit of mutual accountability um, and uh, write it down, get it out. Um, don't make your dreams a secret. All right. Try and close the gap between the the dream you have of who you want to be and how you behave today. Try and close that gap um, by manifesting it, by writing it down, sharing it with others. I think that's a very uh, good way to have the courage to dream, but also make yourself a bit vulnerable and accountable uh, to that. And I think a, a last thought here is when you build these habits, routines, and practices, whether it's waking up early, you know, getting into bed early so you can wake up early, whether it's um, doing stretches, whether it's cold showers, whether it's whatever your habits are, build these habits so they are like a rock. If, you know, for myself, I know I'm at my best in the mornings. So you know what? It's like mission number one to get my ass into bed early because I wake naturally at about a 5.30, 6 o'clock uh, region and so the beautiful thing is that I don't need to set an alarm if I'm getting into bed early because I'll just naturally wake when my body's had sufficient sleep. Now, that, that's, that's how I'm trying to find meaning in my life. So ask yourself, do I have the right routines, habits, and rituals that set me up for success? And practice those every single day. Make sure they support your goals, your vision of yourself and dare to share it with people around you so that they can hold you accountable. I mean, that's my humble shot at trying to find meaning at life, Mark. Does that make any sense at all? I, I think I think it does. I think the holding yourself accountable by, by telling others is, is one of the pieces of advice from Stephen Covey, mm. I think. Yeah. yeah. And his seven yeah. habits of highly effective people, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. All right. I think we have we have taken meaning and and we have extracted maximum moonshot goodness. Uh, the interesting thing about Peterson is like he totally um, has the capacity to jump from wisdom about sort of the intrinsic self and that also how we deal with others. Say a little bit more on the extrinsic 
world. And we've got a great clip now, and it's all about, um, you know, the art of conversation and discussion. And, and so often we're banging on uh, trying to be uh, the smartest guy in the room, but he's got some different thinking. So let's have a listen to Jordan Peterson discussing listening. Chapter nine is assume that the person you are listening to might know something you don't. This is a chapter about conversation and about the different forms conversation takes. And it's a chapter about humility. And it's a chapter about listening. And the humility element is, it took me a long time to understand why there's religious injunctions supporting humility. To even understand what the word really meant in that sort of technical sense. And it means something like this. It means what you don't know is more important than what you know. And, and that's a lovely thing to, then, then what you don't know can start to be your friend, you see. People are very defensive about what they know, and for the reasons we've already discussed. But the thing is, you don't know enough. And the re you can tell you don't know enough because your life is not what it could be, and neither is the life of the people around you. You just don't know enough. And so, what that means is that every time you encounter some evidence that you're ignorant, someone points it out, you should be happy about that because you think, oh, you just told me how I'm wrong. It's like, great, like maybe I had to sift through a lot of nonsense to get through the real message that you're telling me, but if you could actually tell me some way that I'm wrong and then maybe give me a hint about how to not be wrong like that, well then I wouldn't have to be wrong like that anymore. That, that would be a good thing and, and you, can, you, can, you can embark on that adventure by listening to people. And if you listen to people, they will tell you They'll tell you amazing things if you listen to them, and many of those things are little tools that you can put in your toolkit, like Batman, and then you can go out into the world and use those tools, and you don't have to fall blindly into a pit quite as often. And so the humility element is, well, do you want to be right, or do you want to be learning? And it's deeper than that. It's, do you want to be the, the tyrannical king who's already got everything figured out, or do you want to be the continually transforming hero, or fool for that matter, who's getting better all the time? Mm, I mean, Mike, I, I kind of feel as though he's, he's calling you and I out as, uh, as what we do on, <laughs> uh -oh. on Moonshots. You know, this is kind of something that we are trying to embrace ourselves, isn't it? We're trying to say there are tools. There are advice, there's guidance out there amongst our entrepreneurs, our superstars, innovators, psychologists, authors, everybody that we have covered and will cover on the Moonshots podcast. Mm. I feel like they've all got something to teach us that you and I are slowly packing and our listeners are slowly packing into our Batman utility belts. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, it's, you know, it's, it's Peterson calling us out and saying, hey, remember this. Don't, don't fall into the trap of thinking that you know best because remember we're still here on this planet to, to learn, to get better. And there is, I, I, I don't think I'll ever know enough to, no. to confidently say, I'm ready. I'm done. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of so many different mantras around this because there's like, obviously servant leadership, um, as a sort of a rapper theme, if, if our listeners are super interested in that, bringing it a level down, uh, there's this uh, mantra of uh, listen to understand, right? Mm -hmm. And that's really interesting, like, you know, to actively listen without bias. Don't try and come up with a retort, but just listen. Truly seek to understand what that person is saying. 
it, it might be that they do have a good point. It might be that after consideration, it only confirms uh, perhaps something that you felt or thought as well. But Mark, I mean, this comes back to this. I mean, the whole show is built around the idea of learning out loud, right? And here he goes and says, learning, 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 be ready to learn. I mean, it's almost like the best indicator in life of, you know, achieving, realizing your true potential is how much are you learning? Mm, I, I totally agree. So Mark, let, let, me, uh, let me ask you this question. I want you to take the last year and I want you to think about the last year in context to the, the many other years that came before that in your life. How much did you learn? Did you have a high rate of learning? Do you feel like you discovered many new ideas, many new practices? I, I can confidently say that over the past year, or 18 months, I've probably learned more about myself and how I need to learn. So I just want to break that down for a second. Mm -hmm. I've learned more about myself, i.e. the way that I behave. Yeah. And I've learned about the awareness that I have that I should be learning more and how okay. I can embrace change yeah. uh, more than I ever have. Whoa. But do you realize what you said? You have had the most fruitful, meaningful year of your life. That, that is, is what it feels like actually. And, and, you know, I'm not going to lie to you, Mike and listeners, it's been a challenge, <laughs> <laughs> but hang on, hang on. That would only go to support this hypothesis of Peterson, correct? Correct. It, it, it has been a fruitful year of, of challenging, uh, work with collaboration, with communication, family, friends, all sorts of work from home, work from in a home, different country, you know, work exactly. Yep. Bringing, uh, bringing its own complications and throughout all of that gradually over the time that, uh, and the, 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 the speed bumps, the, the valleys of darkness, I think that I've probably learned more, again, as I say about myself, as well as the way that I behave to these, mm -hmm. these challenges and obstacles more than I, I ever have done. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that this humility that Peterson's talking about in, in Rule 9 is, is the big aha moment. When you remove the pressure of your, on yourself to be perfect, and to think, hey, I'm I'm great. I, I don't need to change. And when you have the humility to then say, oh no, I could I could still get better. Mm. That's the the for me the penny drop moment because then it removes that that unnecessary comparison and pressure that you have when you look at somebody who's you know famous or or successful and you're comparing yourself to them. When you give yourself the the permission to say, hey, I can still get better. Yeah. Well, I mean. So, so let's just follow out the, the, the journey of Mark Pearson Freeland for the last year. Um, I, I want you to ask a couple of questions. Did you then over the last 12 months achieve perfection? No. Ah, however, did you have the highest, richest, most fruitful rate, rate of learning in your life? Yes. So therefore you've had the best year yet. I you totally are, agree. Right. You are closer to becoming who you're truly meant to be because of this. You have done the hard work. You have gone to the valleys of darkness 
and out again? And are you able to say, well, I can be grateful for those challenges? Yeah. And, and, and actually just to, to go back to something you, the first question that you had about being perfect, I think what I've, uh, realized is that the, the terminology or the expectation to become perfect, even within a year would have been pretty unrealistic in, in, in my experience, you know, instead the, the journey of learning that that took place, the the reflection, the absorption, that humility and awareness was was actually the more important piece for me. That that's the meaningful journey that I think Peterson was referring to in Rule Seven. That's right. So, if if anything, actually, funnily enough, if I'd achieved perfection, I would then find myself thinking, okay, well. Well, that's kind of it then. I've, I've reached, I've reached that natural conclusion. And if anything, I'm glad that, that it hasn't finished because it is a fun journey to go down. So what we just did then is used the capacity to embrace the rate of learning and the journey and the pursuit of meaningfulness. And we sort of allowed ourselves to wallow in the goodness of that. And so that you could feel the satisfaction and fulfillment of actually this was a, a great, the last time I was were great. Look at how far I've come, how much I've learned. Yet we disassociated with this idea of perfection and all the falsehoods and, you know, That's all it. the six pack abs uh, and, mm-hmm. and the like. But there is a certain knowingness that we can all achieve is if we did what was meaningful, right? We might not have hit a home run, but when you know the intersection between your talents and the life that you live and the ability to grow and learn more about yourself, but also in doing that, you have helped others, then that is meaning, right? That's that, nice. as some might say, that is your dharma, the, the intersection between your craft and who you are and how that intersects with the rest of the world and helps others. So it's a great um, first half of the show, really, because what we've got to is not only meaning, but one of the key vehicles in uh, doing that is the humility to learn, to listen, to grow and to improve continuously. So it's the adage like mix it up when you go to the gym, do different exercises, different machines. If you're going running, run different paces, different distances different routes. All of those things is about being humble, open, and curious to the world and just take all that goodness in and know that, hey, don't worry about the expectations of others. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday and you will be on the path to achieving, to realizing the very, very best version of yourself, which is fantastic. Mark, we've only done half of the the show and it's already, it feels like so satisfying. It feels like it was an entree, main meal, but we've still got dessert to come, don't we? Yeah, look, those those rules 789 are pretty essential, aren't they? As, as, as Peterson calls out in that clip we had, it's the core of the book. It's the meaning, it's truth, it's it's listening and learning. That That's pretty essential for us. So I can't wait to get into the last three, mm. the 12 rules for life, but whew. It's been, it's been good so far. It has, hasn't it? And, and I hope that you, the moonshotters, our listeners, I hope you're enjoying learning out loud. And we've certainly been really grateful to 
all of the feedback and uh, contributions we've been getting from all of you. We've got a lot going on and it's just wonderful to hear from you. I think what's been particularly great is to welcome our listeners from China. Uh, we uh, somehow have ended up 40th on the business and entrepreneurial um, uh, top rankings uh in China. So we'd love to hear from you. So we welcome you to, to the show and to our community. And it's also great to see Mark that, uh, here from where we record in Australia, that we obviously have a lot of listeners. Um, and it's great to see us, uh, zipping up the charts, uh, on the Australian podcast charts. And, uh, so we welcome, uh, and embrace all our fellow Aussies who are enjoying a very nice winter uh, thus far. Um, so um, big welcome to all of you. But we have a brand new thing, Mark, for all of these uh, moonshotters. Uh, they can really actually become like a member of this mm. community. We can step things up. They can not only listen, but they've got ways to, to really step up their membership of the Moonshots podcast, can't they? Yeah, we do. We've ex very, very, very excited to announce. And for those who have listened to one of our uh, recent shows, we released a little trailer for what we're calling the Moonshots Master Series. And this is pretty exciting, Mike. This is brand new for you and I, and I'm excited to hear what our, what our listeners think. But once a month, at least once a month, we're going to release an exclusive paid for episode of the Moonshots podcast that is in addition to our weekly shows that we put out for our listeners that really allows you and I to break down into some of those lessons, those, those frameworks and, and matrix of tools that we were just hearing from Peterson and alike. And Mike, I, I can't wait to, to really get into this idea. Well, yeah, we're, we're only a couple of weeks away before the first episode um, goes live. And if you'd like to sign up and, um, you know, really take things next level. Uh, you can go to moonshots.io where you can become a member. So just click on the membership button and you can uh, sign up. It's literally, I think for, for folks in the U S if you want to uh, become a member of moonshots, I think it's like a, less bucks. than a dollar a yeah. week or something like that for, for the U S guys somewhere around there. Um, now, the first episode is going to be about uh, motivation and we're going to take the two most wildly different people we could find, which is David Goggins and Lady Gaga. They're just some of the people that we'll be showing. Um, but here's the interesting thing. The, the Master Series, we flip it on its head. So in the Moonshots podcast, we just go deep. Like we are on this show, we go deep into Jordan Peterson. But in the Master Series, because we have such a huge body of work now, 129 shows, we go and handpick the best thoughts from the best superstars around, say, motivation. So that would include Goggins and Gaga. Um, another good one is that we're going to do is going to be leadership. And there's a huge amount of work to do in leadership. And the, the first episode uh, in leadership will be around specifically teamwork. So once again, to give you an idea of the most wildly different people we can get into one show, it's going to be Patrick Lencioni, author of Five Dysfunctions of a Team, and Mr. Michael Jordan. And they have so much to teach us on teamwork, don't they, Mark? Yeah, uh, this secret formula 
that I think we're, we're starting to, to find in each of these individuals, these superstars that we dig into each week, when you can, you know, uh, find that little line in the matrix that mm. connects somebody like Lencioni and Michael Jordan, it just proves to, to you and I and, and to the listeners that there is something very consistent, no matter what sector you are, no matter what job you have, you can find these, this DNA of successful teamwork and leadership in a number of, of, of individuals. And, yeah. and much like Peterson was calling out to us in, in Rule 9, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, Rule 9, listen to each other, listen yeah. to others. It, yeah. it proves that, doesn't it? And so we're going to um, dive across, wait for it, there's over 60 different episodes that pick on three big themes, how to improve yourself, your thinking, and your leadership. So if you want to get um, this turbocharging, uh, if you want to get this accelerant to really being the best version of yourself, jump over to moonshots.io, click on members, sign up for that because in June we will be launching our first episode. We would love uh, to see you join us and remember that you will have the opportunity to get worksheets, all sorts of takeaways from each and every episode. You'll be able to uh, suggest upcoming topics for the show. And we just encourage all of you to come in support. We have, a, uh, there's like a light um, membership you can take where, hey, you just support us as well because hey, we put this show together every single week for you guys, for all of us to learn out loud together. So we'd appreciate your support. So head over to moonshots.io, click on members and give us some of your goodness and you'll get a lunar powered dose of good karma. Are you ready for the second half of Jordan Peterson, Mark? I am, Mike. And let's launch straight into uh, rule 10. So just to revisit what we've heard on the show already, we've heard about meaning and truth and listening. So now let's hear from Jordan Peterson. Tell us a little bit about knowing what you want and communicating it correctly to yourself and others. Rule 10 is be precise in your speech. And that's, that's an observation, I would say, that's a variant of a New Testament injunction, which is, or maybe a description of the nature of the world, which is, knock and the door will open and ask and you will receive, which is a very strange theory, let's say, but which I would say is far more in accordance with what we know about the psychology of perception, let's say, than you might imagine, because it is the case that you don't get what you don't aim at. You might get what you do aim at, and your aim might get better as you aim as well, which is something to consider. If you specify the nature of the, actually, if you specify the nature of the being that you want to bring into being, then you radically increase the probability that that's what will occur. And of course, you all know that because you regard yourself, at least to some degree, as active creative agents, right? Your fundamental attitude towards yourself, at least in the manner that you act towards yourself, is that you wake up in the morning and you have a landscape of possibilities that lay themselves open to you and you make choices between those possibilities and determine in consequence how the world is going to manifest itself. So you confront a field of potential, that's a good way of thinking about it, and through your choices you determine which elements of that potential are going to concretize themselves into the real world. Be precise. I mean, this is 
envisioning, I mean, I must have been like ESP teleporting a little bit of Peterson earlier in the show because I talked about define who you want to be, write it down, share it with others to make yourself accountable. So, uh, yeah, the, the, the brainwashing by Jordan of myself is, has, is complete, <laughs> right? Well, I, I think what, what I... The comparison that I would draw, and again, upon reflection of, of Peterson's work in, in 12 Rules for Life, a lot of the rules that he's saying are both external and internal amongst ourselves, aren't they? Mm. Rule number eight, tell the truth or at least don't lie to yourself is kind of what he's saying there. He's saying, yes, don't go out and steal the cookie from the cookie jar, <laughs> but actually also don't allow your, your perceptions of yourself to be corrupted by telling falsehoods. I think what he's saying here in rule 10, be precise in your speech, similar to what you just said, Mike, is, is be precise in how you are aware of yourself. Yeah. So not only how you and I might communicate to colleagues, partners, our listeners, I think what he means is one layer deeper which is be precise in the way that you have an internal monologue with yourself. Oh yeah. And I think we, we, uh, we all entertain some thinking about the vision that we have of ourselves kind of loosely and sporadically. I would say got to get it into your journaling or whatever the medium of your intention setting is and be very specific And I think the specificity helps you hone your focus on where you want to go. That's what I was saying earlier. I just want to be a good guy and, you know, do some nice work and want to have, like you hear a lot of people say, I want to have impact. Well, what kind of bloody impact do you want to Mm. have, right? Specify it. A very good um, piece of advice, not only in the specificity towards yourself in your own mind, but also towards others. And I think... Um, it's not to be underrated how you need to return to this and continue sharpening the ax, you know, to keep uh, ensuring that you're the best version of yourself. But here's what's interesting, Mark. Jordan Peterson has got this thinking about how you should interface with others and let them be the best versions of themselves. And of all things, what he's about to propose to us is it starts with thinking about skateboarding. Rule 11 is don't bother children when they're skateboarding. And that's actually a a discussion of courage, of encouragement more specifically, because I've I've been trying to understand, for example, what role parents play in the lives of their children. And I would say this is a role that is of fundamental importance, as well as attempting to guide your children so that they act in a socially desirable manner, so that the world opens itself up to them. You also want to encourage them, which is not the same as sheltering them. It's not the same at all. And to encourage someone is to say something like, or to act out something like, look kid, the world's already difficult because the world isn't easy for children any more than it's easy for adults. The the difficulties are, they're not the same, they're child-sized difficulties, but they're still difficulties. The world is a very hard place and it's a bitter place in many ways. It's not only a hard and bitter place, it's also touched with betrayal and malevolence. And that's the fundamental bottom line. But there's something in you that is capable of taking that full on and transcending it. And that's encouragement. You say, well, as difficult as things are, you're up to the challenge. And to interfere with 
children when they're skateboarding, for example, when they're doing, let's say, inadvisably dangerous things, which kids, of course, do if they're skateboarding, to interfere with that is to interfere with the child's willingness to voluntarily expose themselves to the risks that they need to expose themselves to in order to develop the sort of competence that allows them to thrive in a world they cannot be sheltered from. And so to interfere with children when they're taking necessary risks is not love or empathy, but cowardice on the part of parents. And it's deeply damaging to children. And I can tell you as a clinical psychologist, I've never had a client come to my office in all the hundreds of encounters I've had with people in my office. I've never had a client say, my parents made me too independent. That hasn't happened once. Right, now, my parents made me too dependent or I conspired with my parents to perpetuate my dependence. That happened all the time. So there's a rule of thumb, which I think is a good one, which I believe is often applied in nursing homes by people who work in nursing homes, which is of course a very difficult job. And the rule is, do not do anything for anyone they can do for themselves. And the reason for that is that it's a form of theft. Oh, this is this is a big, meaty uh, bit of life advice, <laughs> even, oh, even more so than, than anything else, isn't it? Because uh, for me, Mike, the tendency is to try and... Uh, I'm going to make a comparison here to uh, work. I, I might often have fallen into the, the trap of saying, oh, I'm not going to bother telling you how to do it. I'll do it myself. And I think the, the comparison to, to trying to protect others from, you know, perhaps learning that lesson, you are robbing them of that opportunity mm-hmm. to, to go out and get that experience, aren't you? Mm-hmm. And, and I love the, the, the visual, again, it's Peterson's uh, talent here to put it in such a visual way for us you know, stopping a child doing a potentially dangerous activity, but it's, it's a pretty much a, a, a business bit of advice as well. You, you it help is. others learn by exposing them to those things. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, the fascinating thing is that, you know, we see this playing out in the world. They talk about helicopter parents. Have you heard of this concept, Mark? I, I think I have. Right. So, so basically the parents are like helicopters hovering over the, the child and uh, catching them before they fall, avoiding accidents. Or you see it even in teenagers where, you know, parents are doing the homework of the kids and oh. stuff like this, right? Mm. This is such a crime in, in the eyes of Peterson. He's saying what an act of cowardice and theft because if you don't let them learn how to fall and dust themselves off and get back up again, then at some point in life, when you're not around, they will not have the means to embrace hardship. And I think this is exactly the same for parenting as it is for taking care of your colleagues, Mm -hmm. Uh, making sure that they are capable of being autonomous, of taking ownership. That requires the skills and the confidence to be such. So the question is, you know, how are you teaching, supporting others around you so that when they go skateboarding, they might have a few knocks, but they'll be okay and they'll be better for it. 
And uh, that's why I think it's it's like the the micromanager in the office or the helicopter parent um, at school or on the soccer field, they're all the same thing. And and I think it's rather challenging when he says, oh, you're not doing them a service. He goes way beyond that. He says, it's an act of theft. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's pretty... Um it's pretty confronting, but, but I think we can both agree that he's, he's, I think he's right. Robbing mm. them of that opportunity to go out and, and learn not only about the situation and, and life, but about themselves, how mm. they react to stuff. Mm. You know, maybe the, the education that I was referring to earlier in the show for myself mm. was that I've, I've followed a, you know, a slightly easier um, journey prior to the last 12, 18 months and actually being now into a, a situation where I'm falling off the skateboard. That's when I'm, that's when I'm learning. Maybe it is. It's for sure. But next time you'll see it coming. So you won't need to fall off and graze the, the knee. Will you? Yeah. Next time I'll, I'll ollie over the, over the, uh, the edge. You're right. God, it shows how little I know about skateboarding. Isn't yeah, it? Well, at least you knew the Ollie. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you could have done like, uh, you know, you could have made some, some corporate, but, you, yeah. but you got, you, you got it. You got it. You're doing good. Um, well, I think this is only the most appropriate moment for us to play, um, a fantastic way to wrap up the show. It's the, the final rule from Jordan Peterson. So sit back and enjoy this one. It's a bit longer than usual, but it is well worth the wait. So let's, for the last time in this show, listen to Mr. Jordan Peterson. Final rule. It's called pet a cat when you encounter one on the street. And it's, it's a very, it's the most personal chapter in the book. It's a lot about my daughter. And my daughter was very ill when she was, well, when she was a kid, but well, particularly when she was a teenager, she had a very terrible time of it. Um, she had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, and when she was between the ages of 14 and 16, it first destroyed her hip, which had to be replaced, and then it destroyed the ankle on her other leg, which had to be replaced. And she walked around for two years on broken legs, and she was taking massive doses of opiates and could hardly stay awake. and like. And she had this advanced autoimmune disease, which produced all sorts of other symptoms that were just as bad as the joint degeneration, but which are harder to describe. And so it was just bloody brutal. You know, and as a test of your faith, there's almost nothing that's more direct than a serious illness inflicted upon an innocent child, right? And so the chapter is a meditation on that and also on, well, what to do in a situation like that? Because everyone is going to have a situation like that in some sense, you know, because you'll be faced with illness in the people that you love and in crisis. And so it's a, it's a practical guide to coping with those sorts of things. Like, and one of the things you do when you're overwhelmed by crisis is you shorten your time frame. You know, it's like you can't think about next month. Maybe you can't even bloody well think about next week or maybe not even tomorrow. You know, because now is just so overwhelming that that's all there is. It's like, and that's what you do. You cut your time frame back until you can cope with it. And if it's not the next week that you see how to get through, then it's the next day. And if it's not the next day, then it's the next hour. And if it's not the next hour, then it's the next minute. And you know, people are very, 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 very tough. And it turns out that if you face things it turns out that if you face things that you can put up with a lot more than you think you can put up with, and you can do it without becoming corrupted. And she did recover quite, quite fully, and much 
as a consequence of her own machinations because she figured out what was wrong with her and then took the necessary steps to fix it, which is nothing short of a bloody miracle as far as I'm concerned. And uh, anyways, part of the, the, the cat bit is I actually start by talking about our dog who actually died about a year ago, but he's still alive in the book. Um, I, you know, I let people know because dog lovers love dogs and if you love cats then they think you don't like dogs and then they, you don't, they don't like you. So I also point out at the beginning of the chapter that you know, if you want to pet a dog on the street that's okay too so you don't have to get up in arms about it. But, but the idea is that you, know, you have to be alert when you're suffering. You have to be alert to the beauty in life. The unexpected beauty in life. And that's kind of what I was trying to get across with the idea of the cat. There's this cat that lives across the street from us called Ginger. And Ginger's a Siamese cat. And cats really aren't domesticated, eh? technically speaking. They're still wild animals. But they kind of like people. God only knows why, but they do, you know. And so Ginger will come wandering over and our dog looks at her, but they're friends. And she rolls over on his back and Seiko used to, you know, nose her a bit. And, and then she'd kind of mosey over and let you pet her if she was feeling like it that day and you know you have to look for those little bit of that little bit of sparkling crystal in the darkness when things are bad you have to look and see where things are still beautiful and where there's still something that's sustaining and you know you narrow your time frame and you be grateful for what you have and that can get you through some very dark times and maybe even successfully if you're lucky, but even if unsuccessfully, then maybe it's only tragic and not absolute hell. And maybe I think, and this is sort of what I closed the book with, is this idea is that if we didn't all attempt to make terrible things even worse than they are, then maybe we could tolerate the terrible things that we have to put up with in order to exist. And maybe we could make the world into a better place, you know? And it's what we should be doing and what we could be doing because we don't have anything better to do. And that's what the book is about, and that's the end of 12 Rules for Life. Thank you. Find gratitude and notice the beauty in life because the journey's going to be hard, and don't make it harder on yourself by not looking around and, and petting the cats, smelling the flowers. Yeah, it's, it was like he was just, he'd just been hanging out with Eckhart Tolle and <laughs> yes, talking about being in the moment, the power of now, you know, when in doubt you do have the now. Wasn't that something powerful from the Eckhart Tolle show? Yep. Focus on the power of now. That's the only thing that matters. It doesn't yeah. matter where you were yesterday in the past or where you're going to be in a minute or, or an hour's time. Just focus on right here, right now. Mark. I mean, what, uh, what, I mean, I'm glad we broke up Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life into two shows. I don't think my brain could have coped with a one-show extravaganza. Well, he, he covers so much. He covers, you know, it's particularly even in today, we've learned about that idea of truth to ourselves as well as others, meaning, perception, courage, goodness. Uh, in the first six, you know, we learn about standing tall, taking responsibility. I mean, oh, what, a, what a journey we've gone on with Peterson. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like I might be cheating a little bit, but I but I have been saying regularly of late, you know, this one's probably a book you could come back to once a year. Mm. But I but I have a feeling that I'm building up a catalog of <laughs> dozens of books I that you have to read at the beginning of every year. Um, it, it really is, um, I think. Um, what I what I really walk away from here is he's giving us the capacity to one admit. Uh, who we are and who we want to be and to, to give us 
the capacity to go out and do meaningful work knowing that that is fraught with hardship, wouldn't you say? I think that's it. It's having awareness that life can be pretty rough, so don't make it any harder for yourself by cultivating that negative headspace, that negative environment. Almost like uh, we're all a bit tempted to play the role of the victim Mm. and he's got to come and slap us on the face and said, none of that, here's how you, how you go about it, correct? That, that's the big thing that I took, particularly actually he, he wrapped it up for us perfectly in that, in that final clip we just heard because he's, he's calling out, you know, through the, the illness of, of his daughter and the struggles that they went through as a family. He's saying life can be tough, so don't distract yourself with expectations or wrong perceptions or challenges by tripping yourself up. You're your own worst enemy right. if you're going to do it like that. Instead, right. take a step back, change your perception, own your reaction to things. It, it, it's, been, it's been big. It has. It has. And Mark, if you thought we were done with Mr. Peterson, we're not, are we? Well, I'm pretty excited, Mike, because you and I get to go back into Jordan Peterson next week at show 130 by beginning Jordan's next book that was a follow-up to 12 Rules for Life, Beyond Order, 12 More Rules for Life. Holy smoke. I'm going to be exhausted after this series. Is, well, is, yeah, <laughs> I think we're going, to have, we're going to have a lot of good rules and I hope there's going to be a lot of, of elements that you and I can, can build on as we continue the moonshot journey. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, Mark. Pearson Freeland, thank you to you. Thank you for everything you shared on this show. It was such a, such a joy, such a challenge as well to get into all these different rules, but I think we're all better for it. And thank you to you, our listeners, our moonshotters. Those are the people who are trying to be the best version of themselves. And how are we getting there? We're learning out loud together. That's right. That's what we're doing. And today, boy, did we do some learning. Show 129 with Jordan Peterson, 12 Rules for Life. We took the second half of his book as it was just so damn action-packed. And yes, we found an antidote to the chaos. And that began with doing what is meaningful and not what is expedient. So Jordan told us, embrace the discomfort. That was the starting point. And then he led us on a journey where it was really about telling the truth, or at least don't lie. Keep your mind clear, stay on track. That's for sure. Some of the underlying thoughts that we enjoyed today, but we also learned a lot about humility. He told us in his rule nine, assume the person you are listening to might know something you don't. Wise words indeed. And he continues on that path to tell us to be precise in our speech, not only on the outside, but on the inside too. And when children are skateboarding, don't bother them, empower them, and we can apply that to all parts of our life. And lastly, he told us when you see a cat, when you encounter them on the street, give them a pat, which was a beautiful anecdote to tell us to be mindful, to tell us to be in the moment, to find the unexpected beauty that is around us, to embrace the power of now. So I invite all of you moonshotters to consider these rules, to reflect on these rules and to embody them. And if you do so, you'll be the very best version of yourself. All right, that's it for the Moonshots podcast. That's a wrap.